0: Heavenly Father, we uh, continue with our hearts opened for what um, Andrew is going to share this morning. We pray that, you know, your word is living and active. It's sharper than a two-edged sword. And uh, we pray that uh, you will come and uh, Andrew will feel released and we will feel open to receive the word that he has and that you've got for us today to inspire, to change, to correct to release whatever you want to do this morning, Holy Spirit, we pray. May you have your way and be glorified, Jesus, we ask. In your mighty name we pray. Amen. 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 I think that's a great prayer to pray, that we lose sight of our agenda when we preach and let the Holy Spirit do his work in us this morning. So we're, we're coming to the end of our Testify series. It's been really exciting to delve into that over the last uh, couple of months or so, and also our Talk in Jesus series in our life groups that's kind of winding up. Um, to so I want to kind of bring some of that to a, a close today, as we delve into our Bible shortly. But before that, uh, we've got a bus stop right outside Infusion Coffee House. If you've never noticed it, so pe- people have lived in Long Eaton for numerous years and still not seen the coffee house that's over there because it's tucked away behind the bus shelter. So I, it, it feels like a curse sometimes, that bus shelter. And then, if you go on Google Images and look for Infusion, there's actually a bus right outside so the photo of the shop on the internet is covered by a great big Trent bus and uh, but as the last few weeks have gone on and things have been happening over the road I've seen that um, what was an issue for me has become an opportunity so people hang out at bus shelters and it's great way just to sit I've, n- I've not caught a bus for years to be honest I wouldn't know how would get on on catching a bus so ju- is that what you do wait for the t- <laughs> But I find I just sit there and there's opportunity to engage. So, you know, it might be for us in our workplaces or even in our families' lives, there's uh, issues and adversity and problems that would prevent us from pursuing an opportunity of sharing faith. But actually, sometimes they are our opportunity, like you discovered in your workplace. So, we are drawing to a close our uh, testify series. It's been exciting, hasn't it? Adrian, three people have been listening to your sermons. Fantastic. If you switched off in the service, they are available on the podcast. So today, this is what I want to share about as we're thinking about Testify. That is our stand and stretch. Uh, can I invite you, if you can, just to stand to your feet for a moment? And uh, if you can, that's wonderful. And uh, you're going to be sitting for the next half hour, potentially. So can I just invite you to have a stretch? My days, I heard some creaking then. There were some creeks there, and I don't know where they came from, Adrian. It's, it's <laughs> there you go, you can have a sit down now. the somebody is it really going for it with your stretches. That's fantastic. Stand and stretch. This is where we're going. Uh, so we're going to delve into our Bibles. If you've got your Bibles or your tablet or your phone, whatever, try and follow along with us. We are reading from Mark chapter 3, verses 1 to 6. Before we get into this, I do want to share a little bit of background. It might set the stage for us in where we're going this morning. Um, so, historians actually say, uh, and this isn't what we find in the Bible, but it is a, there's a number of historians that pick up on this, that King Herod built a temple and uh, he enlisted the help of uh, over 200 finest stonemasons, Jewish uh, stonemasons. I think there was something like 217, to be a bit more precise. Enlisted the help to build the temple, and uh, to hurry the project along, what happened was this: that the stone uh, mason, uh, uh, the, sorry, the the foreman of the stone masons, his name was Yeshu Bensi, He approached the uh, the chief priest and says, "Listen, to get this job done, we need to work around the clock. That means working the Sabbath." And the chief priest agreed. To the stonemasons, the Jewish stonemasons working the Sabbath to complete it. While that was ongoing as well, uh, they were asked to also build, because they're the finest Jewish stonemasons at the time, they were also asked to build a Roman headquarters, a big tower that was to be a Roman headquarters. That also meant them working on the Sabbath. Now, when these big builds were complete, I mean, DIY SOS has got nothing on these guys, what they accomplished. And uh, when, when the, it was all completed, uh, uh, what was his guy, this guy's name? He was uh, Yeshu Bensi, who was the foreman, gathered them together in a, a big celebration of what these stonemasons have accomplished. And he, uh, in acknowledging what a great job they'd done in building the synagogue, he publicly humiliated them and absconded them for working on the Sabbath to build the Roman headquarters, to build this tower. Fine for them to build. The temple uh, on the on the Sabbath when they needed the workforce, but not. And what he proceeded to do, as well as publicly humiliation, humiliating them when they thought it was a, a celebration of what they'd accomplished, he uh, got them and he got stones and he crushed the right hands of all the stonemasons. Uh, he went on to do other things to their families that I don't want to speak about. But the point was this. History acknowledges that that these stonemasons, 217 stonemasons, had their hands crushed because of the hypocrisy of the religious order of the day, and that's, that's that's our background to this story that I wanted to consider as we get into this. So, Mark chapter three, verses one to six, and uh, I'm going to read from my dad's preaching Bible today. He's a uh, he, he was an NIV man. I'm New Living Translation, so, but I love the translation that we find in, in the NIV. So here we go. Verse 1. Another time he, that's Jesus, went into the synagogue, and a man with a shriveled hand was there. Some of them were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus, so they watched him closely to see if he would heal him on the Sabbath. Jesus said to the man with the shriveled hand, Stand up in front of everyone. Then Jesus asked him, which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil, to save life or to kill? But they remained silent. He looked around at them in anger and deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts, and he said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he says that he stretched it out, and his hand was completely restored. Then the Pharisees celebrated like madmen. No, it doesn't say that. It says this. Then the Pharisees went out and began to plot, plot with the Herodians how they might kill Jesus. What an interesting response they gave to that amazing miracle that took place in that time. So we think about these uh, 217 stonemasons. Not only were they injured, their right hand uh, that began to wither and shrivel uh, from not being able to use it. But also they lost their dignity. They lost their job. In many cases, they lost their family. They they were completely demoralized in front of people. In fact, it says that the same historians say that they were made to stand at the entry of the temple or the synagogue every Sabbath. So, as people came into the into the synagogue on the Sabbath, they were frowned upon, or spat upon, or laughed at, or mocked, or jeered, and. Here, in this passage, we read the stark contrast of the compassion of a saviour who was willing to reach out and a pharisaical religion that would sooner keep someone in bondage. I think it's still around today, that aspect of religion that would sooner bind someone than love someone. That would sooner keep someone restrained rather than reach out to them. But here we see that Jesus was prepared to reach out to this man. And as I said, we can't say for sure that uh, this man with the shriveled hand that encountered Jesus on that Sabbath day in that synagogue then was one of these stonemasons. But it is quite plausible. And it helps us understand a little bit more about this story. It does... However, highlight the hypocrisy of the Pharisees that day, the religious leaders that agreed to some stonemasons working on the Sabbath. And here we are in this story, Jesus being accused of being doing something good on the Sabbath. See, when religion puts following a tradition as more important than us following a saviour, there's a problem. There's a problem there. And Jesus... We read broke convention that day because he released compassion. He placed a higher value on that person than those other traditions that they had. I, I uh, you know, other people classed this man as damaged goods. They, that that was the label that this man would carry for the rest of his life. Oh, there's a man with a shriveled hand, withered hand, no good for anything, damaged goods. Let's just leave him that way. Jesus chose not to. I love, in fact, Matthew's rendition of this story because Jesus says in Matthew chapter 12, verse 12, he says this, Jesus said, how much more valuable is this man? And maybe that's a word that some of us need to hear this morning. You are so valuable in Jesus Christ's eyes. And This morning, maybe he's reaching out to you with that word in your life. So there's two, two unlikely things that Jesus said to this man, which you can probably guess what they are, that we're going to kind of unpack this morning. Um, I'm trying to get through my PowerPoint. there we go. Um, at school, I had this terrible habit of uh, in certain situations, having a nervous giggle. Can anyone relate to me? <laughs> you. <laughs> totally inappropriate times, and you just find yourself giggling. I don't know why, but I, I don't know. That, but I did find myself in those situations sometimes. The, always the most inappropriate times. And uh, on, on a number of occasions, oh my mum's here again, and she's finding this stuff out now about me. On a, on a number of occasions, my nervous giggling at inappropriate times meant the stand. The stand. Anyone familiar with the stand back in the day? Joanne Daniels, some of us are. The stand was this, where if you were caught out by your, your teacher, you were called out in front of everyone, and you had to go and stand by the chalkboard. Yeah? yeah? Anyone relating to this? And, and even though you faced the chalkboard, you felt everyone's eyes looking at you, didn't you, In that moment, and your legs turned to jelly, and you totally humiliated in front of your class. Even worse, when it happened in assembly... Not me. No. Let's just move on from that one. But the stand was an awful thing. Just that sense of public humiliation. Maybe you've had that yourself. So it kind of begs the question in this story, why Jesus said this to this man in verse three, stand in front of everyone. I'll kind of human way of thinking would be like, do you not think, Jesus, that this man has been through enough already and now you're getting him to stand in front of everyone? Now you're making him more embarrassed? Like standing against that chalk wall when you inappropriately giggled at something? Why did Jesus stand this man up in front of everyone with the potential to be jeered at even more. Why did Jesus do that? Why did Jesus allow everyone around him to see his withered hand? Why did Jesus make him expose his shame and his brokenness once again? What was the deal with the stand? Well... This is the deal with the stand. The stand wasn't a punishment, it wasn't a humiliation, it wasn't a stitch up by Jesus with this guy. This was different to the so many other times that this man had had to stand at the Sabbath when he'd faced public humiliation, having to stand at the entry of the synagogue and being jeered at and, and being demoralised because of his condition. This was different. This stand was exposing the hearts of the Pharisees. This stand drew, drew attention to what Jesus could do. This stand was a step of obedience for this man. This stand was one man rising in hope in his situation. This stand was one step closer to everything changing for this man. This man stood, and we read from Jesus' command to stand in front of everyone, we read that the accusers were silenced. It kind of makes you think, doesn't it? What, what if I stand? What if I do that too? What if in my generation, I'm a person that is prepared to stand for Jesus? What if the stand for us was a step of obedience? What if the stand for us was to silence the accuser? What if the stand for us was to uh, draw, draw attention to Jesus? What if the stand for us was us rising in hope? What if the stand for us was to show there's another way? What if the stand for us is actually to stand on his word and his promises in our life? Let me tell you about a young person. They're not here now. In fact, they're they're now a young adult and they moved away. But um, a number of years ago, and I was was so excited to hear this story, this testimony that she gave. And uh, in the school that she was at, they had a soapbox. They called it a soapbox in the dining room. Uh, This soapbox was an opportunity for anyone in the school, any of the students in the school who felt they had something to say. The soapbox was there to stand on in front of all their peers and say it. Now, you, you can imagine some of the things that people could have said, but no one used the soapbox because probably intimidation or fear, and it's a, it's, a, it's a big thing to get in front of people and speak. And, uh, but this particular day, this young lady decided that she would take to the soapbox, that she would be the one to stand on the soapbox and to tell all her peers in that dining room that she loves Jesus and he's changed her life and what she's going to do for him. You know what? That is incredible that a young lady was prepared in her school amongst her peers to take that kind of stand. I don't know if anyone's ever stood on that soapbox again and I know this though that she said that there was people that cheered her and clapped her and then asked her about it even more afterwards. There were people that jeered her, that pointed at her, that laughed at her, that poked fun. But her face was beaming when she told me because of the impact that it did have positively on those other people. I want to encourage us to find our soapbox, not, not a political stance necessarily or, or uh, anti, but actually just to find our stand in our generation, to live for Jesus. You know, there's some inspiring stories of people in the Bible that have took a stand in their generation. We think about Noah, we think about Moses, we think about Esther that could have faced certain death. We think about Peter and Paul and some of the things that they went through. We think about those people, but we we can also consider the impact of their stand that it made. Adrian quoted the other, the other week uh, as we looked at testifying. It's something, that a verse that we've been looking at, some verses we've been looking at in Talking Jesus series in life groups as well. It says this in Matthew 5, 13 to 16. You are the light of the world like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Kind of pointless, defeats the object, doesn't it? Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand Where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. A lamp on the stand. And I know Adrian had talked about that at the time. And me and Adrian have been chatting about, well, what is our stand? Where where is our stand? Where is the place that we've got an opportunity to share the light of life through Jesus Christ that we've discovered? Where is that opportunity? Is it in our workplace? Is it in our school? or at university? Is it uh, amongst our family? Is it on our street? Where is our stand this morning? Someone once said, take a stand for Christ. What's your fall for anything? You might have heard that. Let me sh- sh- point to some verses this morning, and may these verses just sink in deep to us. Proverbs 31 verse 9, stand up. For the poor and destitute. Ephesians 6, 12. Stand against the devil's schemes. Ephesians 6, 13. Stand your guard. And then after you've done everything, after you've done everything else, stand. Stand. Philippians 4, verse 1 says, Stand firm in the Lord. Romans 5, 2. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where now we stand. Incredible that through his grace and mercy and love, we're stood in this place place of privilege this morning, I want to encourage us to stand. You know what? If you feel that you've not got the strength to stand at the moment in your life, let me encourage you to stand on every promise of God for you and where you are. Young people, I want to just, uh, the young people have stayed in this morning. Um, I just want to address you for a moment. I've done different youth work for over two decades now, and I feel that the, for young people today, it's the greatest time of challenge for them growing up. I feel that there's so much that comes against them. It's a a kind of culture dictating what they can. It's a democratic society that we live in, and yet some of those democracies have pulled away from us uh, and choice and been able to stand out and stand up for what you believe. And and young people, I want to really encourage you in your generation to keep standing for Jesus. You, You have got the opportunities that us older ones, haven't got. You've got an opportunity in your schools and colleges and universities to, to put your light on a stand as you stand for Jesus. I, I want to encourage you when other people are pushing and media and social media are pushing that you stand for this and stand for that and agree to this and agree to that. I want to encourage you, stand for Jesus. Make Jesus your stand. The Bible says to seek first him, uh, and then all those other things. Will be added. If you put God first in your life, if you are taking a stand for Jesus in your life, primarily, everything else will work out. Just keep, I want to encourage you, keep trusting him. When I was some of your age, I was uh, 13, 14 years old in my school. One of the biggest regrets I have in my life was this. This particular day, I've been praying for, for some of my friends at school. I found it really hard at secondary school. And praying that there'd be other Christians to, to support me in school. One guy in my biology lesson said, "Oh, you go to a church, don't you?" In that moment, I was struck more with fear than faith, and I said, "Oh, oh no, not no, not me. Got someone else." I regret that to this day, and from that day, I prayed for other opportunities to come about. I prayed that I'd take more of a stand in my school, and I want to encourage you: let your faith be moved by faith rather than fear. Let stand on faith, stand on Jesus, stand for Jesus, young people, young adults. I want to encourage you in that to really go for Jesus because he can make a difference in your generation. I really believe that. So I want to encourage all of us, though, to take a stand. Franklin Graham, son of Billy Graham, said this. He said this. We as Christians have to be bold. We have to take a stand for godly values. I'm gonna stand. I can hear him saying this, can you? I'm going to stand. I'm going to declare the name of Almighty God. And I'm going to lift up his standards and his son, Jesus Christ. And I'm going to preach a gospel message. I'm going to give an invitation for people to put their faith and trust in Almighty God and his son, Jesus Christ. I'm sure that there are going to be people who won't like that. But we're going to do it. Because this is what God has called us to do. Proclaim the gospel. And then he finishes off by saying this in this statement. This is a chance for us all to stand. Wow. Good on you, Franklin. Franklin. If I wasn't standing already, I'd be wanting to stand now. Whoa, come on. Come on, Franklin. It's great stuff. And for us as, as Christians, I want to encourage us in, in our stand as we come to the close of our Testify series. Because even though we might move, we're moving on to another series, the heart of this still, still stands for us as a church and what we're about and reaching love in reaching and loving our community. And we read in this story that this man, in the face of adversity, stood for Jesus. When Jesus asked him to stand, he stood. And so the question that comes to us now is this: Will we? Even when things get tough, when compromise would be easier, when we're battle-weary, I want to encourage us in our stand: to stand firm, to stand in grace, to stand in grace. For others to stand against the enemy's schemas. And a stand that's not motivated by, by judgment or religion or tradition. But a, a stand that's motivated by love for God and love for others. A stand that points to hope and healing and justice and righteousness. Just like this man discovered in his stand that time. I'm going to quickly move on to our second point, And it's this, the stretch. The stretch. Anyone have one of the... Oh, you can't see it very well there. You might see it on the back. I had a stretchy hook anyone have a stretchy hawk just me then uh, I, did you have a stretchy hawk rob and it, it was great because you'd stretch it as far as you could eight year old just stretch, stretch in my hawk and then let go and it kind of all comes back to how it was back to the default thing i, I stretched it so much that I actually one day a ruptured hawk and this he had a a, a, a leak of uh, green bodily fluid the question is, Mother, where did my haul go? Probably put it in the bin because it leaked. But, uh, but now, Rob, if you still got yours, mate, these are worth over £2,000. What did you do with it? Because she's going to find it now, interested. Mean, she's to find it from £2,000. The stretch. Dr. Vonda uh, Wright wrote a book uh, that some of you might be interested in. It's called Fitness After 40. Um, she did do another edition, Fitness After 50. So you're all right, Adrian. You can order that one online tells me pretty much everything that's gone wrong with my body in the, in the last 10 years, to be honest. But she claims in this book, Fitness After 40, that, uh, that actually what we need to be doing is stretching. I, look, I can still touch my toes. And uh, stretching is really important to keep young and fresh and energetic. Pretty much like none of us are looking this morning, <laughs> But she says it's really important, the stretching. I did say to my mum the other day, you might remember mum, oh, maybe I could get this book for you, mum, and maybe stretching will help you. She did say something to me. But I think what she meant was if God wanted me to touch my toes, he would have put put them on my knees. Um, I think that's (laughs) what she meant to say, not what actually she did say. Verse 5, we read that Jesus said, stretch out your hand stretch out your hand. This stretch was so important. And in this passage, we read that that stretch, that reach towards Jesus changed everything. And it seemed bad enough that Jesus had already asked this man to stand, and now he's asking this man to stretch. Not only just stretch, but to stretch his withered, shriveled hand towards him. He was now asking this man to do this it seems a strange thing that Jesus would ask him to do that and to many that would seem like an impossible thing that Jesus was asking of this man but we see this that what and it sometimes I feel it applies to our lives as well when Jesus when God is stretching us beyond our natural limits maybe it's because we're reaching towards his supernatural unlimitedness is unlimitedness a word it is now yeah roll with me Maybe when we've done what we can in our natural, but we choose to reach out towards Jesus, we will see a release of his supernatural and miraculous unlimitedness. Hudson Taylor, uh, one of my faith heroes, Hudson Taylor was uh, in the 1800s a missionary to to China. He faced incredible opposition uh, to his stand uh, to go and reach the people in China. Uh, Lots of people opposed him. But uh, we also read that he had an incredible faith that was prepared to stretch. And one occasion, he, uh, he put his hand in his pocket. All he'd got was one silver coin. That was for his meals for the rest of the week. But a desperate father, whose wife was dying, came to him and said, You've got to come. You've got to come and see my wife. You've got to come and pray for her. And we've got nothing. And he followed, followed this man, prayed with the wife. And uh, the, the, the desperate father just said, can, Have you got anything you can give me? And, he put his hand in his pocket and he knew there was just this silver coin rattling around. And he, and he just had in a battle with God saying, I'm not going to give him that. That's mine. that's mine. It's going to pay for my breakfast in the morning. That's all I've got. But he, he then decided that he would prepare, be prepared to stretch his faith. And he gave that man his last coin. And it meant the world to this desperate father uh, whose, whose wife was dying at that time. And he said, God, you've, I'm stretching my faith towards you. I've now got nothing. And I need you. You know, the following morning, Hudson Taylor got a package through the door that inside had a gold coin that was worth four times the amount of that silver coin. I'm telling you that story because I want to encourage and inspire your faith as well, that as we stretch our faith towards the impossibilities, God actually can transform them in our lives into possibilities. And he, it's Hudson Taylor said this once. He said, I have found that there are three stages in every great work of God, it is impossible, it's one. Number two, it is difficult. Number three, it is done. It is done. The impossible isn't a reason for us to stop stretching out our faith, but it is a reason to trust God in our impossibilities, to depend on him, to humble ourselves towards him. And in this moment of impossibility for this man to stretch his withered, shriveled hand towards Jesus, we see that it was completely miraculously, supernaturally restored. The impossible, the difficult, the it is done. Listen, faith factors in impossibility. Faith factors in impossibility. Faith places trust in God and moves impossibility to possibility. The need may invoke the stretch. The vision may inspire the stretch, but faith will make the stretch. Hallelujah. I know in my own life, when I've faced impossible situations where there is no other way to go, whether that's financially, in the area of self-employment, family situations, when my back's been against the wall, when there's been a moment of adversary, it's those times where it often has required the stretch, because God... I've got nothing. All I've got is a withered, shriveled hand, but I'm choosing, Jesus, to stretch it out to you because I know at the end of it, it might be my miracle. I wonder for us in our lives, whether we face adversity. Maybe we're in a situation now that it just seems impossible. Cindy's been in an impossible situation. She's testified to the miracle at the end of her stretch. I want to encourage us in our stretch. Because this is an incredible story of transformation. And we also read that Jesus uh, reached out to many in faith uh, and touched people's lives. Read that that, that Jesus was prepared to put in the stretch. So many times that we read that Jesus reached out and touched. He reached out and supplied people's needs. He reached out and healed. Jesus is prepared to stretch and to reach out to us. And I want to encourage us to just reach out for him, to see the miraculous, you know, We need to stretch, church. That's what we do. We'd need to stretch. And we see that the early church, as they stretched, even in persecution and challenge, as they stretched, they saw release of the miraculous. Church, we want to see that for this area, for our lives, for this place. If we're to grow as a church, because part of the thing is stretching, it's it's always growth points as well. If we're to grow as a church. And as individuals and as ministries, we're going to need to stretch. We think about the new build. In many, many people have said to us, oh, it's impossible. I don't care whether people are saying it's impossible because I know that through this story, at the end of our stretch, there could be a miracle. God can turn the impossible into, impossible into, into possible. Let's get that right. I'm all over my words this morning, but it's because I'm excited about this. Because maybe for each one of us, as we stand and stretch, we'll discover something of Jesus' goodness, just as this man did. And maybe our stretch is to give something. Maybe it's to start something. Maybe it's to sell something. Maybe it's to go somewhere or to take someone. Maybe it's to love someone, to pray for someone. Maybe it's to invite someone. Maybe it's just to reach someone. Maybe our stretch is to write something. Maybe it's to share something. Department leaders, in this place this morning, and department leaders who aren't in this place this morning, but will be listening to the podcast, I'm sure. I want to say to you, wh- where is your stretch? Department leaders, where is your stretch? Uh, what is it that will take you beyond what you can do and of yourselves and your talents and giftings, but take you to what God can do? What is the area where it will seem uncomfortable and risky, but you are reaching out for something new and miraculous? I want to encourage department leaders, especially in this, to to go for a stretch. Where is your stretch? Maybe those are questions not only for department leaders, but for all of us this morning. What is your stretch? What will take you beyond what you can do into what God can do for you? What is the area it will seem uncomfortable, maybe risky, but you can stretch for something new and miraculous? Because this man, he changed everything. And I believe as a church that as we stand on God's truth and mercy and grace in this town, and as we stretch and reach towards what God has got for us through Jesus Christ, as we reach out in love to the people in this community, I know there's a miracle on the end. I know there's a miracle on the end. You know, we read in this story that before Jesus asked the man to stand, Jesus was already standing We read that before the man stretched out his hand towards Jesus, Jesus had already reached out to him. When the Pharisees had placed judgment and curse on this man, Jesus was lifting off judgment and the curse of his life. Jesus was reaching out to him. And this morning, the most important question that I need to ask you is where do you stand with Jesus? Are you in right standing with Jesus in your own life? Is he Lord of all? Is he King of kings? Is he the King of your heart? Have we moved in our own life from being a fan to a follower of Jesus? I want to ask you this morning, the most important question that you can answer is this. Where do you stand with Jesus Christ this morning? Romans 5, 1-2, we touched on it earlier. It says this, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand this morning. If you haven't got a relationship with Jesus, you have the opportunity to be in right standing through his grace and love and your faith in him. Maybe this morning we have all got our own shriveled hand in our life, maybe our thorn in our flesh, maybe our our failings, maybe our weakness, maybe those things that we wish we didn't do in the past. Maybe this stone was a stonemason, maybe regretted working those Sabbaths. But Jesus lifted that off him by touching and healing him. Maybe we have got that inner struggle and battle in our own life that is like our own personal withered, shriveled Hand and I want to encourage you this morning to reach out your hand to Him. Oh Jesus, oh Jesus, Jesus, we just thank you that you are our healer, you are our restorer, that you are God of the miraculous, you are God that turns impossible situations around into possibilities. Jesus, you are the savior that chose to reach out towards us as mankind you choose to come down demonstrate your incredible love for us on that cross where you died for each one of us Lord I pray that this morning we would be in right standing with you Jesus Christ I pray that we would be a church and individuals that are prepared to stand and stretch stand and stretch hallelujah Jesus, can I invite you if you can, if you're able to to just stand maybe this is more than just standing because it's getting to the close of the service and the end of the service, maybe this is a stand now because we're saying yes Jesus, I want to stand for you in my generation young people, I want to challenge you on that, are you prepared to, to stand for Jesus, I want to encourage you choose to make that stand young adults choose to make that stand, to live Maybe this morning we are tired and weary, done by the battles of life. Hey, listen, this man was too, so you're in good company. And he chose to stretch towards Jesus. I want to encourage you to stretch out towards Jesus this morning for your miracle. Oh, Jesus. 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 I pray that in this moment would be a significant moment where we choose to stand and to stretch. Pray at the end of our standing and stretching, we'd see the miraculous breakthrough in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Jesus'